Welcome back to the Own Your Potential podcast, where you'll hear stories from leaders across the globe about how they've taken control of their career growth and lessons on how you can too. I'm Peter Sherba, and today I have the extreme pleasure of sitting down with Catherine Mortimer, who's an award-winning real estate agent with Chestnut Park, an affiliate of Christie's International. Catherine, really excited to have you on the podcast today. I've been looking forward to this one. Why don't we jump right in? Can you take us through your career journey leading up until this point? Absolutely, Peter. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. This is extremely exciting. Um, It's my first podcast, so hopefully one of many. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I can, I guess, start from the beginning. Uh, My name is Catherine Mortimer, and I'm a broker at Chestnut Park Real Estate. Uh, We're affiliate of Christie's International, and our brokerage is in Toronto. Uh, born and raised in the city, and a graduate of Western University. And I guess the interesting part about my career journey is how much it's changed uh, from the beginning. So, after graduating high school, I went to Western, and I graduated there from their Media Information and Technoculture, um, I guess, diploma program. And as many people think. Um, it's very cool to say MIT. I had a lot of fun saying I graduated from MIT for a quick minute <laughs> before I had to <laughs> rephrase and um, put that into context. But it was an incredible program. It taught me a lot about uh, media, advertising, and of course, the age of technology that we're working in now with being able to access information online. Uh, after graduating, I took that straight into a career of media sales and marketing. I loved it. I thought it was exactly what I wanted to do. Um, I grew up in a household where entertainment and the entertainment industry was quite prevalent between both of my parents. So I was somewhat groomed to have a bit of a uh, interest and a liking to that industry. So I thought the sort of flash and glitter of media and you know things like TIFF or theatrical mm. marketing and this right. kind of stuff was accessible to me and I loved it. I was, you know, raised in that in that life. So I thought it was exactly what I wanted to do and I ran with it for a little bit and it quickly morphed into less of a marketing drive and more into sales position. And it took a few years, but I was really still just getting my feet wet. So when you graduate from university or in your early 20s, um And I mean, just the stepping stone of even getting there. I've always been a hard worker and I've never been afraid of work. So uh, having had many different odd jobs through high school and even through university, I I sort of dabbled in a couple different, I guess, pockets of sales or of marketing just by having different little jobs. So really, it was about (laughs) two years into my marketing career that I realized that this isn't exactly what is like getting me excited to get out of bed in the morning. So even though I was doing a good job and it was a great place to work and I made some great friends and connections and it was an incredible stepping stone, Mm -hmm. I found that I was just really questioning what it is that I was excited about. So it, it, it wasn't exactly driving me, I guess is the best way to put it. Um, it's it's hard to know exactly what it is that you want to do from the beginning. At least it was for me. I right. think there are some people out there who just know, I want to be, a, I don't know, teacher. I want to be a doctor. I want to be a 
I want to work in marketing. I want to work in advertising. And they just know that. And that's their drive from day one. They take all the courses they need. They do all of their preliminary work and get all these small jobs to get them into the job they want. And they're happy. Yeah, I've sort of been a jack of all trades my entire life. And I found that that... I guess to any employer, that would seem like a bit of a red flag nowadays sure. in a corporate world. But I really have to say that it helped me get to where I am today because it's not that I hopped around, but I really did more than dip my toe into a few different industries that really gave me a well-rounded idea of how I best fit in into this world. Right, And that's what got me to where I am today. So through the, I guess the genealogy of my career, starting in marketing and advertising, realizing that I while well, starting to work, I guess, with a brand and then understanding that I would maybe prefer to work on the more corporate side and then realizing that maybe the corporate side wasn't as much for me and I would rather work, you know, for the client right. and then maybe going back to corporate and then that sort of moving and morphing into more of a sales role. So leaving marketing and then working for a brand in sales and then trying to find the right brand that fit my personal liking and my niche and then realizing right. I'm quite good at sales, but what do I want to sell? What do I even care about this product? How am I going to improve my margins or my sales numbers if I don't even care about what I'm selling? So right. it all sort of started to snowball. And it wasn't that I was ever truly unhappy, but I was definitely feeling pretty blah for a few mm. years. Uh, it wasn't until 2014 when I got my real estate license and I got it out of not so much just interest, but I have a really close friend. She's still one of my best friends who always said that she thought I would be really good at real estate. And it was an interesting time for me because even though I wasn't loving per se the job that I was in, I really liked it and I was making great money for someone in their you know 20s and yeah. it was a really scary but also strange consideration to even have about how could i leave a job that was stable and safe and you know have an income that comes every two weeks you've got this paycheck you can rely on it you've got benefits it's you know not cookie cutter but there's a lot of stability and comfort and stability right uh, to just throw it out the window, so to speak, and try something brand new. So I sat on it for about a year. I thought about it. I thought about it. Um, and then I finally said, you know what? Instead of leaving my corporate job to jump into real estate, why don't I just do these courses on my spare time? Right. So I did them in the evening or on the weekends or just where I could fit it in. I did all the courses. Um, I really liked what I was learning but if you speak to anybody who's in real estate and you talk about the courses that you learn, I mean, it has nothing to do with what you do every day. I mean, of course, really? it teaches you the foundations. It teaches you the foundations, of course. It teaches right. you about the legal stuff and you know, just all of the textbook theology about real estate. And then some, of course. But the day in, day out, selling and you know, getting properties lined up and how to actually own a business, not so much in the textbooks. That's yeah. something that you have to learn on the ground. So this is all to say that it took me a little while to figure out that I was ready to make this leap. And I was coming out of a sales role anyways, that I felt really comfortable taking a step into a bigger sales position. But what I wasn't quite ready for was maybe owning my own business. So that was my hesitation. Right. 
So when you go for or you go from having a stable job that pays you every two weeks and you've got this reliability that you know you've got an income coming and there's you know a corporate ladder that you can potentially you know climb yeah. um, there's a sales component so you've got some commission you're feeling good yeah to go to a fully commission based business where it's as we like to endearingly call it it's an eat what you kill business so right. if you don't sell you don't make any money. There is like no in between. There's no like, oh, we feel bad. Here's a little bit of money. So you don't sell. <laughs> it's like you didn't sell a house or your client didn't, you know, buy anything. You got nothing to show for it. Yeah. And there's a lot of money that you have to put into it. So there was a lot of hesitation at the very beginning, but I sort of took a deep breath and I decided to take a leap. And I think taking these leaps in life are really important to to um, just acknowledge, but you have to be ready for it. So this again is all to say, this is the long version of me saying that I left corporate to get into sales. And then I left sales to get into real estate sales, which is still sales, but it's in its own sort of breath, a much bigger sales force because you're owning your own business and you're completely on your own. Right. So that was back in 2014. And what's funny is that I saved all this money. Like I said, I was, I was still in my 20s and I saved this money and I'm thinking, okay, I'm ready to take on real estate. I'm just going to do it. And again, nobody tells you in school that it's really hard to sell a house. Like right. in your early 20s, I don't know, at least not many of my friends were ready to buy anything. I did a couple of leases and, you know, I sort of got my feet wet and I was, starting to really learn the industry. And it took a while, but I can tell you that in my first year of real estate, I didn't make much money. I definitely had high, high expectations. And I fell from that <laughs> from that throne really quickly. But I think that's part of you know what's gotten me where I am today. Because as I mentioned earlier, I've never been afraid of work. I've always worked hard. I've always taken jobs, small jobs, side jobs, little side hustles here and there. I've never been afraid of hard work. So that drive and that sort of guttural instinct to just keep working at it and not give up has really helped me be successful. Um, I guess eight years later, we're in 2022 already. So yeah, that's the sort of inception of what got me here. And then it's been a bit of a roller coaster ever since. (laughs) <laughs> to be quite honest For it's sure. never I, a straight line definitely and there's, there's a lot of stuff i want to tap into there just because sure. uh you touched on a really interesting kind of concept of this idea of generalist versus specialist right mm-hmm. and you know i recently had a conversation with somebody on the podcast and they talked about this idea of the broader your foundation the higher your peak Mm. But at the same time, you know, in many industries, there's very much space for specialists and for generalists. And I wonder, you know, as you went through a couple of different uh, stages of your career, whether it was first through in advertising, media sales and marketing space, then moving into more traditional sales role. Did you feel yourself honing in in the moment into kind of the direction that you really wanted to go? Like, was that something you were conscious of or were you still in the moment? Was it more? Uh, I, I'm trying to figure out what it is that makes me tick. And I'm kind of trying different things. I think it was more the latter, trying to figure right. out what makes me tick. Because I think I was so in the moment, I wasn't really having much foresight. I wasn't really thinking. Also, I was still quite young. Like people in their 20s, that's still young. Like I'm only 35 now, but I can say I've lived a lot of lives for a 35-year-old. I've had a lot of opportunities that yeah. I'm really grateful. A lot of ups and downs, a lot of different struggles, a lot of peaks and a lot of valleys and, 
in different, I guess, components of my life. But from a career perspective, or just through all the jobs that I've had, uh, you, you can never really say, or at least in my experience, that it wasn't worth it. Even if you hated it and you were like, yeah. this is the worst thing I ever did. Oh my God, I'll never do it again. You always have a nugget to take away. Yeah. So even though I was still figuring things out along the way, I have so much to be grateful for because all of the stuff that I learned, even if I didn't realize, I wasn't cognizant that I was learning at the time. Now in a reflective place where I can look back and be like, wow, because of that, or because of X, Y, and Z, or because of this, or because of that expectation and that role, it's giving me tools that I can actually use today. And I think that sort of goes across everything in life. I mean, not to be too, you know, ethereal about it, but it's very much, it's very much a, an important recognition that every step of the way is intentional, whether you're aware of it or not. So one thing I will say is that I'm so grateful that I didn't jump into real estate right away. I think even though hindsight is 2020, I'm really grateful that I had the opportunity to work in a corporate role before getting into real estate. And I mean, that's me and my journey. I'm sure other people have other opinions or maybe different experiences, but in the amount of time that I have been working full-time in real estate, I can definitely see just through the way that some people carry their business or they transact or just manage their clients and their business as a whole, you can see those who've had more of a corporate training because one of the biggest downfalls and mistakes I think a lot of real estate agents make or people who maybe work in uh, a role that's exclusively sales-based where you're just working off commission is not treating your business like a business. Like you have to really understand how to own something and have a a headspace that is going to help you grow and manage and have processes and strategy and client expectation and keeping things organized. Like those aren't skills that you can necessarily just have. They really take time um, or you have, it takes time to learn and hone in on those. And I think sure. just having, having had a corporate experience and working for other people rather than now working for myself, so to speak, has really helped me. Yeah. I think that makes a lot of sense. And, and I, I think that it, from the sound of it, because as you mentioned, you had certain like side hustles, things that you did over and above your corporate role, kind of leading up to your jump into real estate. And I'm a big proponent of the idea of having side hustles, but I have a bit of a unique perspective on it. I don't know if it's unique, but I haven't heard too many people speak about it this way in that I think that it's really valuable when something that you do on the side doesn't necessarily completely overlap with what it is that you do all day, right? And so For that sure. way it builds you and broadens you and kind of challenges you or, or um, s- stimulates you in different ways. So, you know, for the first X number of years of my career, I was in a pretty highly technical kind of data oriented consulting role. And, you know, I always had aspirations to become more strategic, to become more uh, of a business leader, right? And I think that my career is developing that way. But in parallel to doing that all day, uh, the more technology based stuff, 
you know, I stood up a nonprofit organization that was based around basketball, but where my role in it was a business leader type of role or a um, strategic thinker type of role, building out roadmaps, building out business plans, stuff like that. And I felt that that really stretched me and grew me. I'm curious in your experience in having side hustles, is that something that you were looking to do? Like what was the nature of your side hustles and how did they maybe prepare you into jumping into running your own business coming out of a corporate environment? Well, I guess the, first of all, it's amazing what you've created. I would love to know more about that. Um, about the basketball nonprofit. That's awesome. Um, I have had a couple different, I mean, I can put in quotations side hustles. Again, it's, it, it goes back to me not being afraid of work and I'm, somewhat easily persuaded. So I mean, (laughs) be it somebody saying, Oh my God, I started this skincare company and it's super cool. And like, do you want to help me with this? I'm like, uh, I don't know. Let me know a little bit more. And then I'm like, that sounds awesome. And I'll help with that. I was working part-time in the wine industry for a while. So through my, well, I guess to certain, I digress. So it wasn't just part-time. One of my sales roles was working in the wine industry. So I was working for a um, Niagara wine producer and I was in a sales position there where I was uh, managing accounts at the LCBO as well as different restaurants. Yeah, it was very cool. For someone who loves to eat and drink, I was like, this is the dream job. (laughs) Um, I found out very quickly that it was also very difficult to grow the way that I wanted to grow in that industry. I was like, Oh man, it was a bit of a letdown, but it was definitely great because it was something that I'm passionate about. I was able to do the first course of like a sommelier training, which was amazing. Yeah. Uh, just little stuff like that. And then for someone who loves food and Bev, I got to go to some cool industry events where it's all delicious food with wine pairings. I'm like, this is so luxe. I love this. So, so delicious. But, um, after I got out of that, I had met some people who started their own independent wine distribution company. So they said, you know, are you interested in doing a bit of a buy-in? Would you be interested in having... There, here are some different roles that we're trying to fill. Maybe you'd want to do some of this part-time. And I'm like, okay, buy-in, not so much. But side hustle, a couple... Like maybe I can take a couple of cases and help you sell them. Like, sure, that would be cool. So that was one of the roles that I did. And I, what I, what I liked about that was the networking component that sure. I learned. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, networking is a huge part of my business and many different businesses. But to stay on track, I mean, if you're not talking to people, you're not expanding your sphere. And if you're not getting to know new people, then you're not understanding how you can grow. So having just different industries to tap into... And it always helps when someone's had a drink. They're always much more course, you know, yeah. happy to chat. So um, yeah, so the networking component was a really nice piece uh, through the wine industry. Something that I've always been passionate about. And I, I picked up on what you were mentioning, how you've, you're, you love basketball and you wanted to do something that was not related to your day-to-day job. Right. Um, I've always been an athlete. I've loved athletics my entire life. Ever since I was a kid, I was a competitive athlete. I was a school athlete. I was on teams. I just, you know, and and into my adult life, I've tried to carry as much of my athletic attitude into, into my day to day. I think I put a lot of importance. I put a lot of priority in self care when it comes to exercise. So one of the, 
um, one of the side hustles, I guess that you could call it that it was, I've always worked in, in fitness. So cool. when I was leaving sales to transfer everything into real estate sales, I was working part-time, uh, as a spin instructor. So I did spin and boot camp and that kind of stuff. Again, I've always loved exercise and I find it's a huge component for my for my self-care and my mental health. Yeah. So I started teaching some classes part-time and then it sort of morphed into a little bit more than part-time. And then it sort of got out of hand and I was teaching classes like all over the city. And it was taking away the very beginning from my focus of getting my real estate career started. But again, it was a networking opportunity. So, you know, I was getting to know a lot of people and talking a little bit about real estate, but what I really took away, and I didn't realize that this was what I was sort of yearning for, it was that I, I was able to start behaving like a leader. Right. Because when you're in charge of the class, in charge of taking care of people, it was it, it's sort of like an inside-out way of being a leader. I, 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 that's the easiest way to put it. That now being a leader in my industry where I can be the educator. I can be the piece that people come to for information. And you're in a little bit more of a overarching role rather than being like, you're not as much of a receiver as you are the provider of information. I find that that was something that was um, pretty, pretty useful aside from fun, but definitely useful. And it was a nice balance for my headspace. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, so I love, I love when people bring up anything to do with athletics or sports and the impact <laughs> it has had on their corporate career afterwards. Because again, I believe so strongly that even if you play low level recreational sports just for fun, they develop things that accelerate you in your corporate career. You just talked about the fact that it developed your leadership skills, right? But it also balanced you and gave you kind of a holistic mm-hmm. health and wellness approach that probably makes you better at whatever it is you're applying yourself when you're not exercising or, or participating in athletics. So there's benefit there, but it developed your leadership that then probably put you in a better position to lead your business or to, to kind of head up a business, right? As opposed to be working for 100%. somebody else. And to me, I mean, I can list n number of different examples of the type of benefits that come out of it. But I just love that in a once again in a conversation on this podcast, it's come up, and I didn't have to bring it up because <laughs> it just I will hammer that point home until the whole world does some sort of sport or athletic activity in parallel to to what it is they do in the day. So I love that you brought that up. But I want to also go back to uh, you know your experience, kind of having first a bit of a role in kind of the wine industry, but then having a bit of a side hustle involved in it because that inherently, right, the kind of food, wine uh, uh, space is a little bit luxurious, luxury oriented, right? So there's a lot of like sure. um, customer experience or experience-based aspects of it that you then start to lean into as you're in that 100%. space. But I mean, the real estate world is all customer experience with obviously in combination, the actual results of selling or buying or whatever the case is, right? Mm-hmm. So there's those skills, but like, I would imagine that a big proponent of driving repeat business with clients is the positive customer experience. So I have to think that your experience in that industry helped shape your approach to driving a really strong customer experience once you hit the real estate space, right? Like that they had to impact each other. A hundred percent. And you know, I'll I'll sort of I'll touch on that and then I can circle back to it when I start talking about how things changed as I started to grow into my real estate career, because first and foremost, you are absolutely correct. Having a customer experience is what sets you apart in this industry and in many industries. Because 
in real estate, there are about, I think it's 60,000 or just shy of 60,000 agents in Toronto. I mean, you've right. got so much competition. Yeah. How do you reinvent the wheel? I'm selling your house. This person's selling a house. This person's buying a house. We're all transacting with the same product, but what makes you different? So customer experience is a very important part of our business plan as a team. Um, I'll get back to my team in one second because I wanted to just share how how my career developed um, like once it started the inception and then where I am today because it took a lot of figuring out to figure you well know, it took a lot of figuring out to get here because most it, most agents I would say prefer to work alone and we can right. sort of tie this into the sports analogy as well too because there's a lot of great independent sports. I love tennis. I don't love doubles as much as I love singles. Golf is great. You know, there's a lot of singular sports, but team sports are, are special because everybody has a role and there's this ability to lean and rely and collab that you don't get when you're out there by yourself. Right. So this industry is very much a lone wolf business. You're out there on your own. It's doggy dog. It's like, I don't want to share my secrets. You're going to steal business from me. There's this huge attitude where people feel really intensely nervous and stressed because mm-hmm. it's like, you're going to eat my lunch if I, if I don't pick up the phone and, you know, or if I, if, if I tell you about something, you're going to, Still my client. I mean, right. I'm sure that does happen a lot. It's definitely happened in, in some way, shape, or form in my experience, but definitely not uh, not in any major way that has impacted my business in, ter- terribly. But um, I was going at this alone for a while. So at the first brokerage that I was working at, the one that I joined when I first got my license... I was I went there because I knew a lot of the agents there and I thought you know it's going to be nice to see some familiar faces and I learned very quickly that this is like doing a high school project where you're like if I'm going to work with somebody I really need to pick mm-hmm. who the right person is because this is like a division of labor that has a lot of consequence to bad <laughs> to bad action so if you pick the wrong the wrong person to work with you know it could it could be a very expensive mistake right so at first I thought you know what I can do this I've I've got a lot of trust in myself. I've got some people I want to start, you know, working with uh, as far as people in my sphere of influence. And I went at it for about five years on my own and I did well. I was happy with it. I was growing. I was learning. But I did hit a wall. And that is where everything changed for me. I really wasn't sure if I could increase my numbers, if I couldn't, if I could increase my sales, I felt like I was, it wasn't so much a glass ceiling, but I was like, I love what I do, but like, I'm just not seeing the results. So what is going on? I tried different trainings. I tried different perspectives. You know, I went at things with a different approach and I was like, still not getting the results I want. What is going on? Cause I'm like, I'm good at this. And my clients like me and look at all this business that I have just to tap into, but like, I'm not getting there. I'm not doing it. And I thought, you know what? I think I need to change. I need to change. I need to just shake things up. And that's when I met up with Eileen Laswell. Eileen Laswell is my current business partner. And we had actually done a transaction together, a business transaction at uh, a condo. And we just hit it off right away just as Mm -hmm. professional... 
uh, colleagues, you know, we really appreciated how the other person worked. It was a smooth transaction. It was one of those things that just resonated. So I sort of touched on it earlier, how there's a lot of different agents out there doing a lot of different things, but you know, the ones that do it well and you're like, Oh, that's great. You know, someone who maybe has other business experience rather than just jumped into real estate or whatever, just, you can, you can tell the ones who, who are a little more polished and it just sat well with me. And, um, I know it was a shared feeling because some time had passed, we stayed in touch a little bit, you know, you, you, you sort of run in the same circles when you start transacting, um, in real estate, you're like, Oh, this, the same listing agent, or it's nice to do a deal with someone, you know, you sort of create an, uh, an internal network. Right. So we, we had stayed in touch and we decided to go for lunch. Um, I sort of reached out to her and she reached out to me a couple of times and we made it work. And it was just one of those things. It's like the universe could feel that I was looking for something and it was just the right time. And we had this lunch and it was, (laughs) it was perfect because she's like, you know what, how, how are things going at work? You know, it's been a while, like, let's catch up. And I was like, you know what, Eileen, it's, it's good, but I don't know, like, I guess it could be better. Like I was in the middle of a really treacherous transaction with a really difficult client. So she kind of got mm. me on a day where I was like, uh, I need, <laughs> I need some like guidance or I need just like, I need something and <laughs> I need a hug. And, um, she was like, you know what? I'm thinking about starting a partnership or a team, but like, I wanted to know if you'd ever be interested in partnering up. And I thought partnering up. Well, tell me more. And like, I needed her to unpack that because it's sort of like, hmm, it kind of gave me similar feelings of when I was going to leave corporate for real estate, where I'm like, I kind of got a good thing going. Do I really want to like flip this on its head and start fresh? Like, like I wasn't fully convinced that I was ready to just make this jump, but I guess she got me on the right day. And I was definitely like open to the conversation and the opportunity. And it was, honestly, the best opportunity that came my way. It was the right time. And I said, give me some time to think about it. I thought about it. And then I jumped in with both feet and I was like, let's do this. So we started a partnership. I left the brokerage I was at to come to Chestnut Park. Um, solely for that reason, it was just the time to make a change. And it was the change that I needed. It totally shook up my career. We are we we jokingly call each other work wives because we spend more time together <laughs> than we do with our actual families. But this beautiful partnership was formed and yeah. we are the Eileen Lastwell team. Our team has now grown since its inception in 2019. And we are an all-female team. We were the number one team at Chestnut Park last year. And it's just one of those things where I was like, this is the right time. And it happened. It's just, it was a really strange time to make such a big life decision. I was also in the early stages of my pregnancy where I was like, again, maybe this is not the right time to be making a big life decision. Maybe I should stop and think about this. And I was like, you know what? If like high risk, high high reward. If I don't just like, what's the worst thing that could happen? If I have to go back to the, you know, other business at the other brokerage, then fine. It's like, that's not a bad situation, but let's just give this a go. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work, but it worked. And I honestly would never look back. It was the greatest decision of my life. Very cool. And I think this idea that like even in an individual driven industry, the power of a strong team can have an accelerated impact on growth and performance and results. I love that sentiment. And I think it holds true in so many different industries and is a very transferable kind of thought. 
I, I would love to to unpack a little bit about how a, a you know successful career in real estate, particularly you know because of the fact that it pulls you out of your home so often. You're all over the place. Your uh, you know your time, your schedule is 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 so in flux, right? And it can go mm. late. It could start early. There's weekends. But you're a very, you're a proud mom, right? And you just I you, am. and so how do you balance those things and still manage to have forward growth and success while while not compromising on on your responsibility as a, as a parent? That's it's a question I'm still figuring out the answer to because it's a huge part of my every day. It's not even just my personal growth; it's just yeah. the life that I'm living. Um, my daughter's just over two years old now, and she's a COVID baby. I had her in the pandemic. She was born in 2019 in September. So a lot has changed in the last two years of my life, be it the change of role in joining a partnership and switching brokerages, which is, you know, it doesn't seem like a big deal, but it, it is. It's an emotional change. And it's, mm-hmm. you know, also starting fresh and making new colleagues and just all of that kind of stuff. But then having a baby and being in a global pandemic and real estate in a pandemic, which no one would have expected to be as crazy as it was. Um, you know, I know you've mentioned that you have some international listeners. The pandemic exploded real estate in Toronto. I can speak to those figures only because that's the the market that I work in. But the growth year over year was insane. We're talking like 20% month of like year over year for the month of March. We we went into a lockdown and suddenly everyone wanted to move. It was like (laughs) crazy. So we had this mass exodus, major moving from people wanting more space to wanting out of the city to just whatever the situation was, we've all read the news, but it was insane. So how do I balance a being terrified that we're in this global pandemic and everyone's going to get sick? And what does that mean? And it's a lockdown and all this crazy news. I've got a newborn baby. I'm part of a team. My career is exploding because I've never been busier ever. And it's just so much to juggle. But that alone was an insane part of, I guess, the first, you know, year of being a mom. But you know, two years later, I've learned different approaches to my day, but it's still a work in progress, I guess is the best way to put it. I mean, I have to find a lot of in-between time. So whether that be time for myself or time for my clients, time for my daughter, time for my partner, time for my family, it is a job that is quite relentless. And that's something that I don't think many understand when there may be considering a job that is fully sales-based because you're at the mercy of your clients. You do have to manage your time. It's an executive schedule. So if you don't schedule time for dinner or a workout or playtime or whatever it may be, then your client and referral business is going to take over. And that's fine, except when you have other responsibilities. So my, my, my day to day changed a lot when I became a mom and I'm still 
figuring out how to balance that better. I think I'm getting a lot better at it, but also Olivia being just over two, she's very aware of what a cell phone is. So she, when she sees me on it a lot, it's very funny. She'll like take it out of my hands and throw it across the room. I'm like, oh, I get amazing. it. You want some time. All yeah. right, let me put this email down and we can, you know, play or whatever, do what you want to do. So it's hard though. I have to say there's a lot of, it's hard to be a mom anyways. And in a business that requires a hundred percent of your time, it's hard to be anything else, but in it. So when I wasn't a mom, I was a hundred, hundred percent in real estate. It was much easier to just work the long hours, pick up the phone, return that email, whatever it may be, meet a client, show a house at all hours of the day, because I didn't have anything else that needed my time. And having a family not only do I not have that ability because I want to be at home and the expectation is that I have more of a balance, but there's a bit of fear around that too, because you don't want to miss out. There's FOMO. So right. you you let the phone ring and you see it's your client and you're like, oh, but I'm playing with my daughter right now, or I'm in the middle of dinner, or I'm dropping somebody off or like, or whatever it is that's taking you away from working. Mm-hmm. There is always this feeling of, ah, oh, and I'm sure dads feel it too. But as a mom, you feel it's it different. a lot. Yeah. It's it just different. hits different. So yeah. I, I, I don't know. I think being part of an all female team has been a real refreshing, yeah, just breath of fresh air to know that I have, teammates and colleagues and support within my work bubble that are judgment free and supportive to the time that I may require because there's other moms on my team, be it dog moms, you know, (laughs) kid moms, whatever they are, but we, we all really get it. So there's a bit of a sympathetic uh, element that is very welcomed because we all have time. Like if you, if you have a kid, sometimes your kid is sick and you're like, I can't do this showing. But instead of calling your client and canceling, there's somebody who can maybe pick it up for you. So yeah. there's definitely having a strong support system in this business is really, really important. For sure. I mean, just as you described this in my experience with my, with my own partner and my wife, uh, we have two young kids as well, three and a half and approaching one, uh, oh two beautiful little Your girls. And, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and um, you know, she, she has had enormous success in her career up until this point, continues to grow and expand and, and get better. And then on top of that has her own side hustles. On top of that is, you know, the best mom I've ever witnessed uh, with my own eyes. And, and it's just nothing short of superhuman. What I see in terms of like a mom being able to achieve all that in her personal life, but also be mm-hmm. able to achieve that in her family life. And so I, even as you describe it, it's, it's no different with you. Right. And I think that it's, it's pretty, pretty important to acknowledge, but then, you know, one thing that you described particularly about your industry is that you have kind of an executive schedule, right. Mm-hmm. And then this idea around like, you know, certain things like playtime or me time or, as something as simple as eating or exercising, those don't happen organically, right? It has to be scheduled. But I think there's people in corporate environments. I'm one of them. My calendar is a disaster. I feel like I rarely have control over it or that I have the, you know, the agency to push back on clients to free up time for deep think work or whatever. Uh, But I've come a little to realize a little more over time that like you have to take control of it and block it. And I think 
you know, I'd love to to talk a little, for you to tell me a little bit more about kind of the headspace you had to adapt around being comfortable with saying no. Uh, my personal things need to be scheduled as well, right? And they need 100%. to be prioritized into this, right? Otherwise, it's just gonna, they're just going to get taken over. Well, that came for me out of experience. I mean, there's a lot of agents out there who have way more experience than I do. They've got mm-hmm. years on me. But I can say that for my journey and my experience thus far, I learned fairly quickly. I would say after I got sick in 2015... I realized that I needed to slow down quite a bit and make a little bit more time for myself. Did it work the entire time over the last few years? No. But now having some perspective on what's really important and your health and your well-being being number one, because if you don't have those two things, then you can't be anything for anybody. So if you're stressed to the nines and you're not sleeping or you're not eating and you're irritable, like how are you going to be a great full service agent? How are you going to be a great partner? How are you going to be a great mom? How are you going to be a great human? Like you're going to be driving around like a maniac, high on caffeine, (laughs) just pissed off at everybody because you're late. Like it's no way of living. So for me, what I've really taken more autonomy of is my health. I got sick in 2015. Um, I have always been go, 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 go. And always, again, being an athlete, being accustomed to discomfort, be it some muscular pain or back pain or whatever it is, you're just like, ah. And, you know, being, honestly, being a woman, you're used to being in pain sometimes, right? (laughs) You just, you can have a baby and you can still get up and go to work. So um, all of these all of these sort of bodily discomforts, I was like, oh, whatever. And I, and I shoved a lot of things under the rug. And I was having this abdominal pain for a few days. And I finally just hit a, hit a wall. And my mom was like, you got to go to the hospital. There's something seriously wrong. I'm like, no, no, it's fine. I got to do whatever it is that I was doing. Anyways, it turns out I had severe appendicitis. And I went to the emergency room. They're like, yeah, we got to take this thing out like right now. You're going in for surgery. I'm like, whoa, okay. Never had anything seriously wrong with me ever. Always healthy, athletic, all of that stuff. So this was a huge surprise. But I was like, all right, if you got to take it out, take it out. Let's go. So go through the surgery. Everything was fine. But I got a call like a few days later. And they said, you got to come back. We have uh, to discuss your surgery. And I thought, okay, that's weird. Usually, you know, no news is good news. You don't want to hear about anything from anybody. Turns out that they had found a carcinogenic tumor on my appendix and turns out that it was cancerous. So they had to deliver some scary news and that really changed a lot of my headspace. So in 20, at the end of 2015, they took out my appendix. They found this tumor. I thought my life was over. It was extremely scary. At the beginning of 2016, I had to go in for more surgery uh, and I had a very long recovery. So they went in and just took out a bunch of other surrounding lymph nodes and that kind of stuff just to be uh, proactive about any potential cell spread. And it really shook me up. As you can imagine, I was like, but I'm like 25 or 26, whatever I was. And this doesn't make sense. I'm like, well, what do you mean I have cancer? And they said, this is a very rare form of cancer. It only happens to like one in a million women between the age of 20 and 30 and they're usually very healthy. I'm like, what the fuck is that? Like, are you kidding me? Like, you've got to be kidding me. So anyways, um, I was 
dealing with that for a few years, uh, lots of testing, lots of follow-up appointments. And you can imagine that it definitely changes your, not just your perspective, but like it really hits you hard when yeah. I was very lucky to have a, such a specific type of cancer that it was really just specific to that tumor, that I, the tumor was where it was pretty much encapsulated. It didn't spread, but they had to go in and they had to do all these tests and supplementary surgery, as I mentioned. But I got very lucky and it was a huge scare, but it turned my life upside down. Um, right. Trying to manage that roller coaster, but also just what does that mean? Like, I thought I was going to die. I didn't die. Thank God. But it made me really put things in perspective. Like, what's important? Like, why am I stressing out about X, Y, Z? Like, tell people you love them. Like, it became this existential, like, moment of life is too short. You could get bad news tomorrow. And like, what do you have to show for it? So thank God, spent the next few years with all sorts of tests and all these things. And then in 2018, I got pregnant, which was like an incredible beautiful, joyous moment. 2019, my daughter was born. And in 2020, in the beginning of the year, I was told that I was cancer-free. Wow! So it's an incredible roller coaster. But with that information and taking time then for myself to really refocus what's important and slow down, I've taken now, ever since then, a huge, 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 huge liking to spending time by myself and putting myself at the top of my priority list. I've realized it took me a few years that without me being healthy and without me rewarding my body for the work that it's done and just treating it like a temple. I mean, I'm definitely no saint. I am not like a crazy health nut by any way, shape or form, but I definitely put a lot of importance into waking up early having a minute to breathe. I drink a lot of water. Um, you know, I've discovered cold showers. That is like a game changer. I'm not sure if you've ever tried it, but it is like incredible for your health, but it's also really changed my brain and the way that it works. It's made me much better at focusing breath work, like taking time just to breathe and like feel your body. Like it sounds somewhat silly to certain people, but without that balance, I can't do anything. Like I can't, I need to eat. I need to drink. I need to sleep. And I like that to being an athlete. So for someone who is a high performance athlete, the harder you work, the harder you need to rest. Like if you're going to exhaust your body and put your brain and your muscles and your lungs out on an extreme playing field, then you need to recover. And it took me Maybe it was the cancer. Maybe it was just growing up a little bit to understand that better because I cherish my sleep. I don't get a ton of it, but the sleep that I get is very much... It's a good sleep. I'll tell you that. I'm up early. I try to get up before my daughter so that I have a few minutes by myself. But yeah, it's, it's really important to respect yourself and treat your body with the respect that you expect from other people. I mean, I treat my colleagues and my clients with the utmost respect that why don't, why does that put me at the bottom of the totem pole? Right. right? Why do you want to stretch yourself so thin that you're not necessarily able to perform at such a high level? So it's working smarter, not harder, but really putting that priority checklist uh, together. Firstly, I mean, what a, what an inspiring story. I mean, just the the fact that you were able to overcome that, just 
physically and emotionally, and then all in, in parallel to that, right? Mm-hmm. Have accelerative growth in your career, make decisions like partnering, right? And, and that have these, these incredible impacts downstream for, for where your career has gone. Uh, but then also being able to be in the moment, realize how you need to shift your behavior mm-hmm. towards your health and wellness and prioritization of yourself and what that unlocks for your performance professionally, right? And, mm-hmm. and in every, every, mm-hmm. every other aspect of your, of your life, it's just, I think there's so much for people to walk away from that. This idea of the harder you work, the harder you need to rest. Love that quote. Um, and just, just this entire sentiment, I think is a really powerful one. So, I mean, congratulations to you for being able to, to conquer all that and, and then still keep so much forward progress, uh, I guess in play, I, I'd love to, you know, as a, as a closing sentiment, just in question, get an understanding of what do you see for yourself in the future? What are you building towards? Because I mean, you have this team, you, you've, you've established your, your kind of your family life. You are, you know, your team exists within like an internationally recognized kind of real estate organization mm-hmm. or, and, you know, objectively successful. And you, you conquered the pandemic and overcame that kind of in terms of being able to adjust and continue to progress. What are you building towards? What's the end state 10, 20 <laughs> years down the line? Do you have a vision for that? I'd love to get a sense of that. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's an ever-changing vision, I would say. This is the first year that I've actually put a vision board together. We decided as a team that that would be a really great exercise mm-hmm. coming out of two insanely busy, scary years of COVID. And like I said, our, our business being uniquely out of control um, in a very profitable way, but in a very insane way. Just how are we all recovering from that? And you know, yeah. that's not a level that you can continue working at because it's unsustainable. I mean, the market itself is unsustainable that way, but also we as brokers, I mean, you can't be running at full speed two years in and two years out. Like you just you gotta you gotta find a balance again. So that's right. Putting our vision boards together, I I and how do I measure success? I mean, for me, I've pulled two... Uh, my brain is like going in so many different different directions. How do I answer it concisely? I mean, I want to be... I want to be better. I think the way that I measure my success is through adaptation and mm. through acknowledging all of the achievements, big and small. So... I took last year, I took it upon myself to start rewarding myself with all the little wins. Like you can't win them all as they say, and you really can't, especially in real estate. Like you don't always get the deal. You don't always get the listing. Things fall apart. It's, you know, it's a multitude of things, but when something goes right or you've had a good day or, you know, just whatever the little win is, it's just reward yourself with that. Be it, you know, buy yourself a little something or celebrate or just tell somebody or, you know, whatever it is that makes you feel good, draw yourself a nice bath, like indulge in some self-care, whatever it is that makes you feel good. It's important to reward because big or small, it's an achievement. And if you're growing, that is success in my opinion. Like I want to learn from my mistakes. I want to learn from my successes. I want to learn from my peers and my colleagues. I want to look up to people and say, what are they doing differently that I could maybe, you know, weave into my sales approach or just, I don't want to, I don't want to ever be so proud that I think that I've got it all. I don't want right. my ego to get in the way. So if I can 
continue to be a great agent and a great person and a great mom and a great, you know, family member and partner, all that stuff, then I would say that that is definitely uh, a measure of success. Cause my, my success isn't just through my career. I think I want to feel success on all platforms in my life. I think it's very difficult to just segment it. I'd rather feel overall like yeah. I'm being successful, right? I like I don't want to be like, I feel successful in work, but I'm a shitty parent or like I suck at returning phone calls to my friends. Like I'm only good at one thing. Like I said, I'm a jack of all trades. If I can, if I can balance 13 jobs <laughs> as, yeah. a, as a, you know, a up and coming career woman, then why can't I balance other stuff with, you know, just being a little kinder. There were four words that I pulled. I was doing, it's funny. I was just doing one of these sort of, um, it was like a, a crossword puzzle that was like the first four words that you see are going to be the words that take you into 2022. And the four words were family, gratitude, self-care, and strength. Wow. And I don't know. I've always been pretty whimsy when it comes to appreciating astrology and the universe and giving, you know, bowing down to the forces that are greater than mine. Like I am definitely just a small peg in this grand world, but those really resonated. And I don't know if I just pulled them, if they were sent to me, whatever it may be. I believe that there's definitely some sort of energy that is you know, meant to come to you when you need it. So spending more time with family and being more gracious or showing more gratitude for myself and for others and taking some more time for my self care and then acknowledging my strength and being strong in different ways. And I think that's how I'm going to be a better person and be more successful by taking those four pillars with me through the year. I love that so much. Uh, and I think something I recently heard in another one of these conversations was that when you want something very deeply and you're passionate about it, the mm-hmm. universe conspires to help you. And I think there's some For evidence sure. of that here. And so I love that, that sentiment. And I have no doubt. I, and I love the sentiment of, of continued growth being the vision for the future, right? And never stopping to learn or grow. I think that's such an important thing that comes up a lot in these conversations, but is important to highlight here. And um, you know, just with your mindset, I have no doubt that that'll continue to be the reality. Um, Catherine, this was a phenomenal conversation and I really appreciate your time. I think people are going to get a lot out of this uh, episode. So, you know, I'd also love to reconnect in the future, see where things are at and, and, and have another conversation, but thank you. Oh, Peter, this was so much fun. And honestly, chatting with you is super easy. This was great. And if I connect with one person through this podcast, I would be thrilled. So Thank you so much for your time. And it was really fun to be here. 